Welcome to The Ugly Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Emerson. And we're trying really hard not to try so hard. Come hang out with us as we talk about our passion for creativity, authenticity, and heart-centered entrepreneurship. (laughs) Did I say that right? Yep, definitely. recording. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. This is The Ugly Podcast. My name is Lauren Alexander. I use she, her pronouns. And I am Emerson Lee, and I use they, them pronouns. And this is The Ugly Podcast. Hey, Lauren. Yeah? Do you want to tell us what The Ugly Podcast means? (laughs) Sure. Um, so the ugly podcast came from this idea of creating ugly things on purpose in order to kind of subvert perfectionism and just get your creativity out there. So I had this idea to create a podcast with you because we are longtime friends and we've been, we both started our own businesses around the same time. And I really enjoy our conversations. We talk about creativity and authenticity in our businesses and kind of having that heart-centered entrepreneurship. I can never say that word. So yeah, I thought some of the things we talk about could be beneficial for other people. And I don't know how to make a podcast, so it's going to be ugly. And that's just the way it's going to (laughs) be. And I love things that are just natural and organic and not curated and perfected and hyper-edited. I was thinking too, I have seen some art progress videos and photos lately. And something that always strikes me as someone who doesn't do all that much visual art is it's often ugly in the process of becoming beautiful. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that can happen with something like you can start making something intentionally ugly and you're like, actually, I kind of like this. And maybe I am going to write an actual story about my chapstick talking to my ball, or, you know, whatever it is that our brains come up with. And I think this podcast is like that where it's, it's ugly, but it's also ugly in a beautiful way. I wholeheartedly agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, why don't you go ahead and jump in, tell us, and everybody out there <laughs> about your business and everything that you do. Yeah. So my name is Emerson Lee. I'm the founder of Happy Memories Elder Support. And I got my background in memory care where I loved doing art and music, conversations, nature, all sorts of really um, juicy life affirming things. And really had like that, that was really my creative outlet. And I love the people I worked with, but the corporate side of things just did not work for me and I could not continue doing it. And so I left and I I wanted to do the same thing, but I wanted to do it on my terms. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm a certified end of life doula, a certified dementia practitioner, and I focus on supporting elders and living fully. So I'm still doing a lot of the same things and still have that creative outlet, but it is even more of a creative outlet because I get to decide like, oh, this isn't working. I want to try this or let's do this really cool new thing. So it's interesting that, you know, my elder care business really is also a creative business and a business that I need to be creative in order to run. And I love that you 
saw what wasn't working in that corporate structure. And then you were like, I can go do this on my own and I can do it better. Which requires so much creativity to like anyone who does something on their own and creates their own path is like, that's inherently a creative act. (laughs) And we've both very much done that. We've been in places where things were assigned to us. And then it was like, this isn't working. How do I just create my own path from scratch? which is why we're here having this podcast now. Indeed. <laughs> so why don't you tell me about your business and the path that you have forged for yourself? Yeah. So um, my business is Scribe and Sunshine. Um, it is an editing services business. Um, so I'm primarily an editor, uh, mostly copy editing and proofreading, but I'm, I've gone into more developmental stuff as well. And then now what the shift that's happening in my business is I'm inching into creative coaching, which I'm really thrilled about. And I'm probably going to scream about at some point on this podcast (laughs) or every time. (laughs) Yeah, it's something that's really exciting to me. And it is it's interesting how my business has evolved. I'm coming up on one year and it's already so different. And then the year ahead looks so different from where I started And that is really exciting Um, and something we'll definitely talk about on this podcast of the fluidity of business and going with your passions and what inspires you. Yeah. And that's something we talked about too, is it's such a fascinating process to be doing this and we're having the most fun time and also a not fun time at all in the process. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's another reason why we're having these conversations is because it's super lonely and hard on your own and also exciting and wonderful on your own. And so getting to share it and talk about it and talk through the process is really makes it more fun. <laughs> Even yeah. though not stuff. That's the perfect way to describe it. Of It's not fun and it's really fun, which is why we started doing, um, we've been doing Work Buddy Wednesdays together mm-hmm. where we jump on a call, on a Zoom call and we just work side by side on our, in our own homes. Um, just to have that person there to be like, what are you working on? What are you excited about? And even to just bounce ideas off of, I feel like I've gotten a lot of good ideas from you. Yeah. I, of that. I always think in my head that the work session means that we should be quiet the entire time. Like it's like that, like ingrained, like school mindset of like, this is time to work and not talk. Yeah. And it's actually been so helpful and clarifying to talk through different things or just, you know, I'll just be working on something and they'll be like, Oh my God, I didn't tell you this thing. And getting to tell you that and hear your things and talk through them and to do it in real time, talking with our voices and not just like texting something. So yeah, I love that we do that. Yeah, me too. Um, so you touched a bit about this, um, about what you were doing before starting your business. Was there anything else, any other drive for you um, as you went from that corporate structure into, nope, I'm doing this on my own? Yeah, I think I spent a long time being like a job hopper and not being able to settle into any particular setting. And that included memory care. I loved, loved, loved what I was doing, but um, I also couldn't really settle there. And it turns out the same year that I started my business, I found out that I have undiagnosed ADHD, found out at the ripe old age of 30. Mm-hmm. And suddenly everything made sense why I couldn't find my way in a like structured setting like that. 
Um, and so the getting to do things in private practice is completely liberating. And like, I could talk about that for a whole episode or like 10 of them um, about, you know, how disabilities and mental illness and things like that, you know, they, you can thrive when you're in a setting where you have control over things like when you work. And if you're not feeling well, you can take a nap. Like it's such a crazy concept. So I think that was a huge part of the drive was I could not be authentic. I could not thrive as a human in my body and brain. And I could not serve the people I wanted to serve in the setting that I was in. And so it came to a point and there's a whole story of what that point looked like um, that happened in the middle of COVID. Um, and it was just this huge moment of like, I'm, I'm going off into this wilderness of uncharted territory. So why don't you tell me about your kind of like, I think of it like a jumping off point, like the point where you were like, okay, it's time to, you know, jump into something different. Yeah. So I was in, um, I was in corporate real estate. I was working in their marketing department um, and doing administrative work. And I did that for five years, very long five years. (laughs) And I was getting to this point where I knew I wasn't where I wanted to be, but when people were just seeing commercial real estate on my resume, they weren't seeing any of the transferable skills. And I was trying to communicate that on my resume and I was really highlighting the transferable skills. I changed my titles. Like I tried so many things to get myself in front of different companies and I just was not getting any bites. And so I was like, well, maybe, I mean, this isn't really what I want to do anyway. I was looking at tech companies and i I don't even want to have anything to do with tech, you know, (laughs) Um, but I was just looking because I live in Seattle and that's the thing that you do um, is you go work at a tech firm. But yeah, I I knew I didn't actually want to do that. And actually COVID was, gave me that space to go internally and really think hard about what I wanted to do. Um, So I was looking up schools and I didn't really want to pay for another two, four years of school. So um, I looked at certificate programs and I found this editing certificate. Um, And that really resonated with me because I love books. I love creative people. um, And then part of the job that I was doing was editing proposals and doing kind of the marketing. And so I was like, well, I could definitely transfer that over. So um, I did that. And that just opened up this whole thing of like, oh, yeah, I totally want to work with creative people. I want to work on stories about people who are different from me. I want to I want to help people get their stories out there. Um, so that's that's what launched me into into my new business. You saying that reminded me because you said that you like found the editing certificate and then just did that and had a bit of experience. But like. You also have a TESOL certificate teaching English to speakers of other languages, right? That's true. I do. Yeah. And you worked at a bookstore for a long time. Like I, mm-hmm. when I think about your path, like it doesn't feel just like, oh, I found this program and decided to do it one day. It's like that was leading you there for a really long time. That's an excellent point. I've never thought of that before, but you, you are a hundred percent right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the the five years of doing commercial real estate, that was the blip. Like that was the accident and everything else was <laughs> was just leading me to this point. Well, and it's interesting too, because that 
the, like you said, transferable skills there, like you were doing, like you said, you know, really applicable things there. Most people wouldn't be like, oh yeah, corporate real estate and editing, but you, you needed to have really finely edited, very, you know, clear proofread, organized things. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's all been the same path. It's all the same path. Nothing's a blip. <laughs> <laughs> and also everything is. <laughs> yeah. So when you first started out on your own, what were some of the big lessons you learned right off the bat? Yeah. Number one biggest absolute thing from the very beginning was imposter syndrome. And I think I felt a lot of imposter syndrome, especially because my occupation doesn't technically exist. Like there are dementia coaches, there are death doulas, there are people doing similar things. But as far as like someone being in private practice to support elders in having a good life, there it's not, you know, most people are like, wait, what is that? And so I was creating that role for myself. And then I also take it really, really seriously that I'm working with people at the end of their lives. And I don't do anything medical, but I am working with people who have specific medical conditions. And so it just felt really intense to me. And I worried so much about every single T to cross and I to dot as far as, you know, legal stuff, LLCs, insurance, just all those different elements of it. And it just hit me like every single day. It's like I had to fight and fight and fight and fight the imposter syndrome. And it took me a really long time to realize that I my belief is that imposter syndrome thrives when you're not doing it. Like you, you feel like you're an, an imposter when you haven't done it yet. And then you go out and you do it and you're like, oh, okay, I'm not an imposter because I'm doing this every day. Mm-hmm. So I hit a point probably six months in or so where I was like, oh no, I'm doing this. And I'm not sitting here thinking constantly about how I can't do it because I'm just doing it. Um, and that was, that was a big turning point. And I talked to a lot of other people who are at the beginning of their journeys and really overwhelmed with imposter syndrome. And that's what I tell them too. It's like, you just need to do it. And once you do it, you'll be like, oh yeah, I can. But it's hard to convince yourself that you'll be able to if you haven't yet. Yeah, 100%. I felt the same way. Even though I had my editing certificate and I had worked on books in my editing certificate as in my practicum, I still, when I would try to like get my name out there and talk to prospective clients... I just felt so sheepish. And it was just like, I don't even know if I can actually do this. It it took a lot of actually doing it and getting good feedback from clients and just mm-hmm. practicing to be like, oh no, I've got this. Yeah. Yeah. And then even still, I've worked on four books, I think, over the last year and all great feedback on all of those. And I still am like, I don't know if I could do, (laughs) you know, it, it, it comes and goes. It's something I think you have to develop a relationship with because it's going to hang around and be like, Hey, I'm still here. Are you sure you can do this? (laughs) Yeah. If you, if you have a brief period of time where you don't get clients or something like that, like, you know, comes raging back out. So it's, it is a continual process. Mm -hmm. Um, But tell me what you have learned as you started your business. The number one thing I learned immediately um, was, so while I was in my certificate program, I was holding myself back from actually starting my business, like putting together a website or, you know, even trying to find prospective clients while I was still working my other job. I just wasn't really doing anything. And part of that was I was really depressed, 
Yeah. So I wasn't working on anything. And then, and I kept telling myself that it was because I had this other job. I was like, well, once I'm able to quit, then I can focus on, on the building the business. So I had the privilege of being able to quit my job completely and focus on building a business. But the problem was as soon as other job was out of the way, I still was very <laughs> resistant to actually doing any work. Mm-hmm. And I had to kind of face the fact that, oh, it wasn't my job holding me back from doing this thing. It was my perfectionism and my fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And so I have a great therapist and I talked to her about all of this and got really great perspective on what I was afraid of and how I could reframe it. And then um, just started taking these little steps to push past my perfectionism and then finally start building up. But yeah, that was that number one thing was just like, oh, you, you could have been doing this the whole time. You just were too afraid to. And now you have no other, like, you have no other option except to face the music and do it. So yeah, you got to, you got to get yourself through that mindset mm-hmm. um, or get past the perfectionism, get past the self-doubt and, and, and do it. It feels at the beginning, like, like it's this massive monster in the room. Like it is mm-hmm. just breathing down your neck and you are fighting it and it's not budging. And that's normal. <laughs> Everyone mm-hmm. I talk to, you know, perfectionism, self-doubt, all of that. It's just, you get alone with that and it, it, just kind of wallops you for a while and yeah yeah that's uh it it really does feel immovable mm -hmm. in the moment Mm -hmm. it feels like nope there's no way I can possibly move past this Mm -hmm. and so now that I have been able to move past it I one I feel so free and two I I want to give this feeling to other people so I'm that's one of the things I hope to do with this podcast is just like tell people they're not alone in these feelings and you can do so much more than you give yourself credit for. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of your power is passing that along to people, which I'm sure we'll touch on many times in the future. Yeah, definitely. So we want to focus kind of on creativity right now. Um, So when did you start to lean into your creativity with your business? Yeah. Um, like I was saying, you know, memory care has always been a creative outlet for me and it continues to be, but it definitely, there was obviously a shift where it definitely became more about me actively creating every step of the way and like being creative in the process. And so, you know, in this past year, it's just been this evolution of, you know, how do I want to present myself to the world? How do I want to present my business? And finding a lot of places to be creative there. Like I, we've planned to talk soon about authenticity, but for a while I I wouldn't dye my hair purple, even though I desperately wanted to. And I love having purple hair. And Mm -hmm. for people who are listening to this and can't see me, I have purple hair. (laughs) (laughs) It's just those kinds of things like that, where you give yourself the permission to just play around with it and to um, build that creativity and build that just kind of curiosity and fun into into the moments. And I do a lot of that on social media, um, probably a little too much of kind of the graphic design, fiddling with different things. Um, but it's, it is fun. It can be overwhelming to handle a social media account, but I think I had a lot of fun in things like reels and posts and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I I really don't like social media very much, but I do admit that as I've built up my account for my business, it has been more fun to play around with um, and see what I can make that's unique to me and my business. And it's fun to see that process for you. And I would imagine other people feel like they're getting to know you better and seeing, you know, that playfulness and seeing you evolve as a, you know, unique person instead of just, oh, what's this random page about? Yeah, I, I hope so. And that's, that gets into like how I started to lean into my creativity was like, I did, I started off because I was so much in that perfectionist mindset. I was just making very, um, just very flat posts, um, which I mean, they had some helpful information on them, but they were just, they were things that other copy editors were doing. They didn't make me stand out. They were just kind of like, this is what I should be doing instead of this is what I want to be doing. And then I was resistant to putting myself out there and being me, really. But then something started changing as I started working with writers. There was a part of me that as I read the work that they were doing, as I talked to them, as I went to writers' events and learned more about what it takes to write a book, there was just something inside of me that was like, you desperately want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't really met this part of myself for a long time. Um, it's a part of myself that I really shoved down as I got through college and started focusing on how I was going to make money. Um, that creative side of me was just shoved in back into a closet where I'm sitting now in a closet. (laughs) (laughs) The acoustics are amazing. Um, In a closet to do creative things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, yeah, I didn't feed those parts of myself. And when I started working with creative people, those parts started to come alive again. And so I was like, well, I need to explore this more. So I started writing more it started off with journaling and then I started writing more creatively like playing around with silly little poems and silly little short stories and then it just kind of kept blossoming more and more and I was like I can just make things whenever I want I can make really ugly things for example like an ugly podcast or an ugly drawing and I can just it, it was inspiring to me to just see what could come out of my brain. Mm-hmm. And so then I just started integrating that into my business more. If I can write a stupid story about the inanimate objects on my desk arguing about whose side of the desk they're on, then I can make other people understand that they can do that too. Mm-hmm. And so many, I was actually just talking to my mom about this yesterday. She was saying that, you know, she could never write a short story she wouldn't know where to begin and I just kind of launched into this whole (laughs) spiel of like well you just don't know what's going to come out of your brain and isn't that so exciting that you could just start writing and not know what's going to come out and by the end of our conversation she was like okay I really like this idea and I was like yes like (laughs) this is amazing so I've just been leaning so hard into that creative space of like you don't know what's going to come out and it's really fun to see what you can make Um, but it was definitely a process to do that to get there Um, because there was a lot of resistance to 
putting myself out there and being authentic. Um, because when you're being really creative, you're being very authentic and you're putting yourself out there and it's scary. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something that I had to push past. Yeah. Um, so how has creativity changed the way that you approach your business? That is something that's been shifting a lot recently. And that's related to a group I'm part of called Reimagining Dementia, a Creative Coalition for Justice. And I would say I credit them and I credit you as being two driving forces for shifting my experience of creativity, which is funny because I've, I've been creative since I was really young. It's been something that's come naturally to me, not, not in any one specific like artistic medium, but just in general. Like I'm always doing some random project or, you know, putting something together that feels like it looks nice maybe or is ugly it doesn't matter but you know I'm creative but I wasn't being creative with my life as much and I Mm -hmm. think that's what's been shifting Um, especially the coalition comes from a background of social therapeutics which is I would say I mean I have limited perspective but from what I've heard from them the idea of supporting people in creating their lives and creating the story of their lives and being active participants in it Mm -hmm. And so they are all about performing and playing and improvising. And those are things that I didn't realize I could be doing every single day. Like we are performing and improvising just by being like, let's have conversations and let people hear them. I could perform and improvise by going to the kitchen after this and making lemonade and sitting outside. Like that could be a, that's the story I'd be writing with the rest of my day. That's that's the creativity I'm finding more of now is the you know, actually living the creativity instead of like sitting down and putting it on paper. I love that idea. I love that idea of play and improvising through your day. That's such a fun way to think about it. It is. It's such a fun way to live. And that's something I'm really, really feeling a lot of. Like I just turned 30. And I mean, you know, from my experience, like my childhood teens and 20s had a lot of not great experiences and a lot of discomfort and difficult emotions. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my thirties are my first decade where I can just be a human and enjoy experiences and like be playful instead of rigid and closed down. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm really excited. Like this is the second month of being 30 and I anticipate just getting to really continue evolving throughout this decade and beyond for many decades, if I should be so lucky. Yay for thirties. <laughs> It's a shame that society frame, well, not necessarily all of society, a lot of older people don't see it that way, but the society of youth is really focused on 30 being like the end of your good experiences. And mm-hmm. it, it's just not seen as this powerful time that it can be. And every decade can be a powerful time and can have its own evolutions and um, experiences that are really powerful. Yeah, Absolutely. How are you finding that your creativity is kind of working its way into your your business? Creativity has changed everything about what I've been doing. I went from a very rigid, like, I'm just a copy editor and I'm only going to do this one thing to, well, I can just do so many things. I can coach. I can have workshops. I can have classes. I can have this podcast. I can, you know, the creativity has just opened up so much. And it's also... I mean, just in myself personally, I've noticed such a shift in my own behavior and just my overall mood over the last year. I just feel 
more joyful and more, I'm more trusting of myself. I'm more curious, more playful. It's just a really exciting time. And I think creativity is the answer to all problems. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably not, but you know, I don't know. I just, especially if people are feeling stuck, I think creativity is a really great way that we can get ourselves unstuck because I felt very stuck. When, so when we say like creativity is the answer to everything, like people would think, no, if they're thinking of creativity as like putting something on paper, whether it's writing or art or something. But like, I think, I think when you have that expanded view of creativity as like how you are interacting with the world and with life and with self-expression and with relationships that expanded view of creativity that might be the actual answer to like all problems (laughs) I agree yeah um so how do we use creativity in our life and in our business why don't you start yeah so that's a great question and something I've been really loving lately I feel like every single decision in my personal life and my professional life has the opportunity to be playful and creative And so, you know, like I said, something like making lemonade and sitting outside, but also, you know, I'm wedding planning right now. And there are so many aspects of it that aren't traditional. And, you know, our guest book is a guest painting where everyone can take one color and do a different, you know, swipe of paint. And I I love that so much. (laughs) And you're going to get to add to it. Yeah. And I'm just so excited to have that painting on our wall and to see, I mean, I have no idea how it's going to turn out. That's something like, that could have just not been the case. That could have been something we could have just done something traditional and put a book out there and that'd be fine too. That'd be beautiful. But bringing that creativity in and like my people aren't super creative and I know they're going to be resistant to doing it, but I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to nudge them to be creative in the way that other people have been nudging me to be creative. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just had a great idea. I can be your guest book, ugly art guide, and I can just like stand there as people are coming in. And if they do have that moment of resistance, I can like help them through the ugly art process of just like putting something on the page. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this. Dying right now because that's like, I literally thought like, I'm like, how am I going to like get people to actually do it? Because like, I definitely, I want every single person to. So you now have, I'm, I'm writing you down as like having that role and that is amazing. Yes. Okay. Well, that was super cool. And we got that on record. People <laughs> us having that revelation. Um, Yay. I'm so excited about that. Well, that's, that's, that's another cool thing about like the ugly podcast format too. And just being creative with life. It's like, we have this conversation and then that was the perfect example of this creative process that suddenly you have this idea to add on to, you know, this other creative idea. So yes. Yes, that was um, a case study that we obviously set up and planned. <laughs> but yeah, there's so many moments like that. So many things like it's that it's this, the kind of joy that you just expressed at that idea is what I've had over and over again in my life with my tattoos or with wedding planning or my business. Um, something as simple as getting a mug that has my logo on it that just makes me happy every time I see it. Or like I said, the social media posts and having something where I'm like, I like it might not be super popular, but I just love it when I see it. There's just so many different things like that. And 
I've just been getting more curious, like every day, I'm like, oh, what's what's it going to be today? And I think that's a fun way to live. Yes, I love that. The way it's, I've been integrating it into my business, but also just my personal life. When I have free time, I've been much, I've been much less likely to just sit in front of the TV. And instead, I'll be like, okay, well, what can I write? Um, what can I draw? What what new idea can I come up with in this moment? Try drawing an old dog learning new tricks. <laughs> uh, my home speaker apparently liked what you were saying. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we have a third guest on our podcast today. <laughs> okay. Leaving all of that in. Please do. Yeah, that's, um, that's a lovely podcast moment right there. She just felt like she needed to contribute. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what do you recommend for people who are feeling stuck or unmotivated or like there's some kind of creativity missing from their lives? Yeah, I think one of the things that took me a really long time to learn with my business and with my life, I can think on too, is that when I get to a point where I feel stuck, instead of just trying to push through and make it work when it's not working, asking myself, how can I shift this? Where do I need to pivot? What do I need to change? And with my business, there have been points where, you know, I just feel stuck and I I cannot get out of being stuck until I realize, oh, that's because I don't want to be going down this path. This isn't the, like, this isn't an offering I want to be doing, or it's not, you know, a collaboration that really resonates with me. And I'll shift. And then I'm like, oh, wow, I'm not stuck anymore. Like, it's kind of like being a, you know, one of the robotic vacuums and like running into the wall and you're just keeping mm-hmm. the wall. And it's like, you're, you're literally that's like, it's never going to work. You need to shift and you need to go in a direction where it is a clear path in front of you. And that's a really, that can be a really creative process because often it's not one clear path in front of you. It's, it's any path that you choose. That's been, I think that's been the advice I wish I had had more of of like, okay, you're, you're going to feel stuck over and over again. You're also going to make decisions over and over again that get you out of being stuck. Yeah, that was really freeing for me as well when I realized, oh, I don't have to keep doing the same things over and over again. And I can try something even if they might not work. Um, like I started a Patreon page and at first I was really excited about it and I got it out there and then it didn't go anywhere. And then I started realizing there was something else I was more interested in pursuing. And so even though I did that thing and it didn't work, it didn't go anywhere, it doesn't mean that it's a failure. It just means, oh, well, I can just kind of pivot from that and maybe I'll integrate it into whatever the next thing is I'm doing. But it is just a really freeing experience to be like, you get to change what you're doing at any given point in time. And failing doesn't mean failing. It just means shifting. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because I'm having a similar experience with my Patreon. I had this vision of it being this really beautiful community and people are just like not interested in it, you know, and I'm now I'm like accepting that and being like, oh, okay, what am I going to do instead? And like you said, like it's something we can integrate later. Like we can take all this stuff we've done and just let it sit and mm-hmm. maybe we'll come back to it and maybe we won't. Like maybe it'll be like 15 years from now and I pull back this project that I did you know, at the very beginning, like who knows when something's going to be relevant and pulled back in. And so, yeah, it's, you know, just being open to those changes. Uh, What would you say is your advice? I think my recommendation 
is to let go of expectations that you have for yourself. I feel like so many of us hold ourselves in a certain light and that's the only thing that we're willing to see. And so we don't, we don't open up to what else there is. We don't want to open that door to possibility. But when you're feeling stuck, that's a really tough position to be in because if you view yourself as this very stoic professional person, which is what I what's where I was at, then that's the only thing you're going to look for next. And if you're not happy where you are, then that's you're not going to be happy going to that next spot where you are in the same position, acting the same, doing the same things. Um, so just get curious and learn how to drop those expectations in small moments, um, which is one of the things I think ugly art does is you let go of those expectations in small moments, like 10 minutes, you're going to draw an ugly picture, let's say. You're letting go of that stoicness in that moment. You're being silly. You're making mistakes. You're letting go of this idea that what you have to do needs to be perfect. Yeah, that's my that's my recommendation. I like it. It's good. Thank you. <laughs> we want to do this thing where at the end of every ugly episode, <laughs> we talk about something ugly we made this week. Um, so what is something ugly you made? That's a great question. And I know I've made some ugly things recently, but I'm going to take this as an opportunity to be honest that I have <laughs> not been doing much ugly things. And I, it's interesting because I, I think about that and I think about how I'll be learning from you through this process too. Anytime I do something ugly, I'm like, oh, Lauren would be so proud. (laughs) (laughs) It's good for me to have that voice. Like it's, it's you being that creativity coach and that cheerleader in my head. And hopefully other people will get that too, where, you know, they find more moments where it's like, oh, I could, you know, like the next time I want to sit and watch TV, I'll probably be like, oh, I could make something ugly right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to take my, my experience of not having made something ugly as inspiration to have something much cooler to say next week. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. What I made was, so I was drafting up what an ugly art class would look like. And then one of the exercises I got really excited about. So I tried it. The exercise itself is you start with a sentence. It can be any sentence, but like I, like, for example, I started with Jerry woke up Monday morning and then you set a timer for five minutes and you start writing about Jerry. And then once the timer goes off, you have to add a sentence that makes the story super stupid or ridiculous. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And then you set the timer for another five minutes and you do that one more time. And then you close it off. So I wrote this story about Jerry who wakes up in the morning and it is her day and she is so excited. And then the five minutes is up and I have to introduce a sentence and I don't know why this came into my head. <laughs> no idea. But um, I said that Catman Statham walked down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> That'll change the story. <laughs> <laughs> And Catman Statham is, of course, Jason Statham with cat ears and a fluffy tail. Of course, of course. I, I of course. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah. So then, yeah. And then the story ends up changing again. I added aliens because, oh, yeah. I don't know, if you can't think of anything, add aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never a bad idea. 
And then it ended with Jerry stealing the alien's flying saucer and taking it on a joyride with Catman Statham. Which is amazing. Like, it's just, it's such a good ending to the story. Like, of course they would. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was the ugly thing I made, and it was just really fun. That is a wonderful example of ugly creation. Yeah, and that's something that I, I really want people to understand, is when I say make ugly art, I mean, like, make it really ugly, like, really stupid. I think some people might think that when I say ugly, I mean, like, well, I'm a perfectionist, so this picture is really ugly even though it's really good which I'm pretty sure I have done that to you before I'm like look at this ugly crab and you're like that's a beautiful crab (laughs) you're right right." but um I've been practicing on just like actually (laughs) making ugly things um and that's that's what I mean just make it really ridiculous I just had a realization a kind of tangent but I think that I could see a lot of benefit in this in memory care Mm. because like you're talking about with perfectionists, the same thing happens with people who who feel like their abilities should be better than they are, especially if someone used to be an artist. You would think someone who used to be an artist would want to keep doing art, but they'll, they'll know, like, they'll be like, this isn't how I used to be able to do it. And it's so ingrained that it's supposed to look pretty. It's supposed to be made with hands that don't shake and, you know, have really good dexterity and all that. And I would have loved, I I used to do um, art with this group of ladies on Thursday. I would have loved to have done an ugly art session with them and have them just make it as ugly as possible. I love that you just said that because the other day, the idea or the thought crossed my mind of just like, ugly art is very accessible. Yeah. Yeah. To anybody who has low mobility, who like, can't hold their hands steady or, you know, it's accessible to everybody. Like that creativity, no matter who you are, like, you can make something ugly and love it and appreciate it. And love the process of it. I know that's something mm-hmm. you talked about before and that you'll do again. But like, I know for myself, when I, I, I don't paint much, but when I do, I love the feeling of paint going across paper. That is so hindered when you think it needs to be perfect and it is a totally different experience. And so it's this accessible way of letting people just enjoy making art without any of that other stuff in their head. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love I'm it. so I'm so excited about ugly art. I love it. I love it a lot. It should be your full-time job and what you do all the time. And people should flock to you for ugly art guidance. I I hope they do. Um, speaking of people flocking to us, let's tell people how they can find find us and yeah, what we are up to. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Let's Make Moments. And my website is makinghappymemories.com. Awesome. And then do you have any announcements, anything you want to plug? Not right now because I am currently pivoting. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I need to do some looking ahead at what I want March and beyond to look like. So I appreciate that, but I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay. (laughs) So telling of like this process of Mm -hmm. like, we'll get to points where you're like, I just don't know. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. So this is yet another opportunity to be like, not knowing is also just fine. (laughs) Yep. Amazing. For me, people can find me on Instagram at scribe and sunshine and my website is also 
just scribeandsunshine.com. Um, and then I do have a teaser, I guess, nothing's nothing final to announce, but um, I will have a workshop on perfectionism available in March. I'll have two dates in March and then we'll kind of go from there. So by the time people hear this, you might be able to find that on my website, um, but if it's not there, you can also subscribe to my mailing list through Instagram in the link tree thing. And I have so, been yeah. to the first edition of that workshop and it was amazing. So people should go to it. Thank you. All right. So yeah, we need to end this thing. I don't know how anyone ever ends podcasts. I've tried to think <laughs> about it and I just don't know. Yeah. You, I mean, usually people eventually get some kind of um, end tagline. Yeah. Like my favorite murder has stay sexy, don't get murdered. Yeah. You know, like podcasts have stuff like that. So maybe we one day we'll have our Yeah. We'll have our ending tagline. Our ending, our ending will be just ugly just whateverness. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> that can be it for now. Okay, bye. <laughs>